You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Steve And we're pleased as punch in episode 169 today, April 18th, 2020. We have a fun show planned for you today. We're going to be actually returning to a bit of gaming and movie news, which I know we haven't done in quite some time. Gaming news has both Gearbox and Capcom. Movie news features a list of movies that have been delayed due to the COVID-19. And our topic of the day is Echo from Overwatch Impressions, which we have played over the last few days here. Of course, if you want to skip ahead to our topic of the day, you can do so. Look at Just look at the timestamps located in the detailed section down below. But other than that, Steve, what have you been up to? Well, we started and finished season two of, uh, of Daredevil. And... We have begun season three, which is the last season. I think they're going to move on to uh, having all the group together. It was It's going to be Daredevil. It's going to be, uh, I think, Luke Cage. And it's going to be, um, oh, what's his face? Uh, Iron Fist. But I think they only made three seasons of this thing. So we started season three. And season three is not starting out too great. I mean, it's really just incredibly slow. So... I don't know. Um, I mean, we're on like the the fourth episode and, and it's just not really going anywhere. We're, we're wondering what's happening because, I mean, halfway through the season, not much going on. We were kind of wondering why they even wrote it at this point. Oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, we're trying to figure it out. Um, anyhow, so that's what's, what's been going on with me. I've been playing a little bit more uh, Ace Combat and it is, it is definitely a lot more difficult, but I, I'm wondering... The last couple games uh, from Ace Combat, uh, the missions have been pretty pretty similar. And towards the end, there's always like this this sequence where you have to fly into a, like a building or a, some sort of structure or tower or a hill, or and it's real close quarters, and you have to kind of navigate uh, around there without getting hit or shot. Kind of like real real Return of the Jedi kind of stuff, and you have to escape out of there before the whole thing explodes. So I'm wondering, I'm on, uh, I'm on the 10th mission. I don't know how, how many missions there are, but I'm kind of thinking it's kind of, it's going that direction. Cause they're starting to talk about like this space needle sort of thing, which is a structure that's supposed to go from like the earth to the moon. I'm like, mm, I think I'm going to have to go in that thing. I, I believe I'm going to have to fly <laughs> in there yet again. That's going to be the same exact mission. Well, I mean, Ace Combat seems to be the, the, the flight, you know, arcade flight simulator sort of thing from Namco that, that shows off what they can do with the series for the system, but they don't really do a whole lot of um, like changing the game up sort of thing. <laughs> so, I mean, it's cool to play it once like a one, one game for one system for the system's life. But after that, there's really not, you know, too much of a point to play another one until the new system comes out because it's literally almost the same exact game. I mean, if I, if I played this one when it, when it came out, um, like right when it came out, I would have just finished the previous one or excuse me, the one, the, the, not, not, uh, the previous one with one before that the game actually that came out before this one, they, they did take a different step. They, they were, um, that the destruction was different. The story was different. You were flying like way close to a lot of buildings where there was a bunch of environmental, uh, you know, damage and destruction and stuff. But, um, apparently I guess that wasn't too popular among fans. So they stopped doing it, but anyhow, uh, so that's what basically what's been going on with me. Mm-hmm. I need to play that because I keep forgetting it's on Game Pass, isn't it? It's for free now, yeah. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I'm gonna have to download that myself because I I'm a fan of the the series. Um, even if it does kind of seem all too familiar or whatever, I always appreciate the graphics upgrades. But uh, yeah, I've been playing quite a few different things. Uh, so I I did receive Final Fantasy VII remake in the mail. Um, it's one of those titles that I think is deserving of of a physical copy as opposed to a digital download. So it was fun. I got the the deluxe edition that came with like a art book and a little mini soundtrack. It's funny because they, they called it a mini soundtrack, even though the, the disc, it's a normal disc size, but I, I guess they titled it that way just because this is not obviously the, the soundtrack in its entirety. Like they're probably going to have like at least actually, do you know how many parts of this game they're going to release over time? Is it like three or four? Or? Man, I don't know. I mean, it was a long game. Um, I mean, I, I would, I would venture to assume for sure three, but it might be more than that. I mean, the original game was, I think the original game was, was more than three discs, but, and they're, they're taking their time with this. So, I mean, you, we might see, I don't man, I don't, I just don't want to think it's going to be six because I mean that people are going to look at that and go, really, you know, you're gonna make us buy six games at 60 bucks a piece. Are you sure? <laughs> so um, I'm not really sure what they're, what they're going to do. They might just kind of focus more on important parts of the game that, uh, that everybody remembers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm hoping that it's no, it's no more than three. I, I don't think, I don't know. I, I, I say it now in terms of like when, um, when they come out with the next iteration. And of course, the more I play it, then I'm going to be more invested in the story and everything else. So we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping that it's no more than, than three different parts. Honestly, I hope it was only just two parts, but I have a feeling it's not. Having said that, though, this is my first foray into the world of Final Fantasy VII. And so, uh, first of all, the graphics, I mean, I know that, that you played the demo, so you got kind of a taste of what everything looks like. But I, I really do... Love the the visual look of this game. Um, I, I remember being impressed even back in the the original Final Fantasy VII, which if you look at by today's standards, I mean it looks like such a basic game, but the, for its time, it was it was absolutely incredible. And I'm very impressed with what they've done so far. I'm not too far into it. I'm I'm in the slums, if you recall, uh, toward the beginning of the game, where you kind of find out where Barrett's little uh, group is located, and I was introduced to Tifa who it was crazy to, to see. Cause like, I remember these characters when you played the game and seeing how they are now, it's like, wow, these, the, like all the characters just look really great. The, the facial animations are, are, well, here's the thing with the facial animations. So if you have a cutscene or maybe like a, like an in-game cutscene, the facial animations are on point, but it's really funny when you look at some kind of throwaway NPC who like sends you on like a little chore mission, like their, their facial animations are not very good. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm very impressed with what I've seen so far. What's funny is, is that the PS4 Pro is really loud when I play the game, which leads me to believe I think that it is definitely pushing the console to its absolute limit in terms of what they're trying to accomplish with the, the graphics fidelity of the game. And I think it's kind of cool because you know you're, you're getting pretty much like the, the top tier performance out of the system right before we go into the next gen systems. And it does make me wonder too, how the game, like will the game look any different on the PS5 or is it just going to run smoother? Like obviously the system will probably be running a lot more quietly, 
but I am curious to know if they're going to be um, having some sort of ability to upgrade the graphics and, and all that stuff. So it's, it's really cool thus far. And I'm looking forward to when you start playing it, because I think it'd be a fun thing to do together as bros, like, because you've already gone through the story, you know what to expect. And so it'd be cool to be able to like kind of in tandem, go through it and be able to, to talk about all the different things. Are you, are you planning on getting it at some point soon? Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I've also been playing, and then what's funny about this too, I was just about to say, I, I'm also continuing through uh, Resident Evil 2, and I think it's both of these titles, both of these series, mind you, are are more your area of, of gaming. So it's, I feel as though I'm kind of stepping into the the Steve gaming experience a little bit here and seeing like what you've been enjoying all this time. So it's it's kind of surreal, but it's also really fun to like, have the hands-on experience of these games. But other than that, uh, continue to kind of um, mess around a little bit with Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, and I've also just downloaded yesterday the free-to-play Legends of Runeterra, which is one of Riot Games' new titles. They have two different games that they are, are releasing here in close proximity to each other. The other one I think is called Valorant, which I know that um, you and I have taken a look at briefly. It, honestly, it doesn't necessarily capture my excitement, but I do think that with Legends of Runeterra, for some reason, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or if it's just a, a, a game genre that I'm starting to really get into, but the whole card game thing I think is really fun. It's just not one of those games that is super intense, but at the same time, there is a strategy to it. And I think this is their answer to Blizzard's Hearthstone. And I actually, I think I prefer, again, I haven't played very much of Hearthstone, but in terms of the presentation, I think that they've done a really good job with Legends of Runeterra in terms of like when you play a card or when you're looking at something, whatever, they have lots of VO. They have um, some pretty amusing animations with the different cards that, that kind of come to life as you play them. So I think it'll be fun for us to be able to, in a future episode of Joygasm, to be able to give our impressions once we have a chance to play. I, I would highly recommend you download it as well. And maybe the two of us can try and, and play some sort of online match. I haven't done that. I've just been going through the little basic tutorials and stuff. But that's about all I uh, knew with me, Steve. So pivoting over to gaming news, I have you to thank on this because we were um, kind of looking around and seeing what all has been going on, and, and you sent over uh, both of these articles. The first one is that, according to sources, this is from uh, Jason Schreer, who uh, works for Kotaku. Uh, despite huge sales, Borderlands 3 developers are getting stiffed on bonuses. And he went on to report that Randy Pitchford told them that they would not receive the significant royalty bonuses that they expected. The employees at the studio uh, will get small bonus checks, but nothing close to the tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands that many had expected. Gearbox, which is based in Frisco, Texas, offered its employees below average salaries for video game industry, um, excuse me, for the video game industry. Um, and actually, I, I know this to be true. Um, 
And to make up for that, the studio offers something unique, which is the profit sharing program where royalties from all the developers' games are split 60-40 with 60% going back into the company and its owners, while 40% of the profits is distributed to the employees in the form of quarterly bonuses. And I know that when Borderlands 2, um, when that was released, I remember working on that and finishing that up and, and um, I was just doing contract work, so I was not privy to the bonus structure or what was going on with, with everything. But they did really well, actually, when, when the bonuses were distributed at that time. And so it was, it was really surprising to read this article and talking to um, some folks who, who work over there. They were talking about how it was. it's really just a math thing about how much money was spent on the game development cycle itself versus how much they made and even though the game did really well apparently there was actually um, a lot more money that was spent especially considering like they have their new studio I think in Canada or something like that and so due to all the overhead it really started to eat away at the, the profit sharing so definitely feel bad for for the employees over there because those those development cycles last anywhere from like two to five years even the the larger games can last upwards of seven to eight years and so that is something that a lot of the the developers are banking on uh excuse the pun but that is the understanding is that typically when you work at these different studios they don't have like annual bonuses like a lot of different corporate companies do the big kind of hopeful payoff will occur when the game launches and people will love it and at that point they get their huge payout so the other story is that capcom is working on a resident evil 4 remake so following its reimagining of resident evil 2 and 3 Multiple development sources have told the video game Chronicle that the Resident Evil 4 remake has now entered full production with an estimated release window in 2022. Is Resident Evil 4 your favorite out of the series, Steve? No, definitely not. I mean, Resident Evil 4 took a different turn because uh, that brought the camera behind um, behind your your character instead of your character walking across a hall or through a hall with a with a static kind of image this, this resident evil 4 brought it to uh, right over the shoulder and so you walk through the environments and um uh it, it it you know i think there was also some uh you were able to kick and punch a little bit uh, it was more than just uh you know, oh, a zombie's coming at me and I'm out of bullets. What am I going to do? And, you know, my knife is now dull. I'm just going to, you know, flail my arms and, and <laughs> maybe only kick away the zombie once he bites me. So there was definitely a lot more um, going on. But they also took a different step away from the Umbrella Corporation and, and for at least that's what it seemed like, where um, it wasn't just zombies. It was more like this village that was um, hit with a different kind of virus. Um, and so it was... It, it wasn't just zombies that were coming after you. Uh, it was like, <laughs> I remember <laughs> capping these things and like once you thought it was dead, there would be something else that would grow out of it and then you would have to cap it all over again. Oh my again. goodness. So, um, but I mean, there were, you, you, didn't, you were in a village and then you were in caves and then at some point you were in like this temple and then you were floating around on the water and then, so there was a lot more different uh, environments and, and four. But I mean, four—you definitely saw a graphics boost. I mean, it was when four came out. 
it wasn't four. Uh, what was it? What system was it for? I think it was for the. At that point, I think it was like the PlayStation Two. Um, maybe even three. I'm trying to remember. Maybe I think it was two though. Um, so you definitely had a little bit more of a, of a graphics engine that they could uh, boost everything up. You the, the graphics were noticeably different. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, with the last few that they've released. Those are more on the basic systems prior to you know next generation. So I think when four comes out, it's gonna look like crazy good, like crazy good for this next gen system. Is that the game that was more? It took more of like an action game approach to everything, or was that a different Resident Evil? Um, I mean, that, it it definitely did take an action approach. Um, but I think by that point, people were, were real saturated with all the zombie games. I mean, it was another zombie game, and so they had to do something a little bit different than everything going on. So it, it wasn't so much like the survival horror genre as it was um, more so action. It was still spooky, but um, at that point, you already knew what to expect from Resident Evil. So they had, I think they, they, they changed it slightly. But I, but I think it wasn't until after that one, like Resident Evil 5, that was just pure action. Like, I hardly remember playing 5. I remember playing and beating 5, but uh, that one stuck with me the least. Have you played, I, I think I've asked you this before, have you played all the Resident Evils except for the, the first person one? Mm, yes. Yeah, because I was looking at the article... And it says that 2005's Resident Evil 4 is Capcom's highest rated game of all time, uh, according to Metacritic, with sales totaling 7.5 million copies across various platforms. And so I wasn't sure if that was one that, like, that that was one of your personal favorites. I, I, what, which one's your favorite? Is it three? My favorite was, was two. My favorite was definitely okay. two. Yeah. Yeah, two was definitely... Uh, one of my favorites, even though I hadn't played it, just watching it, I was like, yeah, 2, two definitely had, like, a, a certain gumption about it that I really liked a lot. The next entry in Capcom's long-running series will be Resident Evil 8, offering a continuation of the revamped first-person mechanics introduced with 2017's Resident Evil 7. Is that a game that you're going to play? I'll, I'll definitely give it a shot. Um, yeah. Do you think you're going to play Resident Evil 7 before you do 8? Since it is a continuation, it sounds like the story kind of continues where 7 left off. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I can only stand so much. Uh, I mean, with, with 8, that was, that was the, um, or 7, that was just like Biohazard, I think it was. Um, but That was like the whole like weird uh, cannibal family thing. Right. You know, I... I do want to try it out though, just because it, everyone who I talked to who played it, and even like on the, the different reviews online, it was like received well. I, I don't, I can't recall anyone who said they didn't like it. Yeah, I, I just, I think when you play all the Resident Evils and you play that one, there, there's something that there's something new. There's a new element there, but there's something that's also missing where you're, you're definitely trying to survive, but something about the first person that is, is cool, but you don't feel very uh, strong, I guess. Because before, you're, you're, you're 
a police officer or you're an army vet or you, you definitely have someone who has survival experience and then this one you're not and it definitely feels different you're, it just feels like you're just trying to get out of this house uh to live you know um it is a departure yeah for sure it, it's a kind of an ex- exploration of kind of a, a different setup of, of things and then putting the, the resident evil skin on the branding I definitely go. I definitely want to try it out. I still need to play. Are you gonna play Resident Evil Three Remake? Because I know that's out too. There, there are a couple of titles now that are out that have your your name written all over. Yeah, eventually I will. I just have to. Um, there's something I have to address, which is money. Ooh. So I'm um, I'm not in a hurry to go crazy into debt and get into a um, uh, new marital. Sp- bout over it so gotcha yeah well pivoting over to movie news we have um actually every well it's not every film but but there are films and shows that have been affected by COVID 19 and so ign made a list of movies that have been delayed i went through them there are a ton and so i ended up just cherry picking ones that i know that you and i have had a interest in and checking out when they were going to make their debut so the biggest pushback so far has been Fast 9, which is part of the Fast and the Furious series, uh, with their one-year delay. Other than that, though, No Time to Die, James Bond's latest film, has been delayed until November 2020 after um, careful consideration and thorough evaluation of the global theatrical marketplace. The film will now be released in theaters on um November 12th of 2020 in the UK and November 25th, 2020 in the US. Disney announced in March that its live action remake of Mulan has been indefinitely delayed from its original release date of March 27th. It has now been given a new release date, however, of July 24th. So I don't know why they initially said it was indefinitely delayed, but then came out with a new release date. But take it for what it is. Just a week out from its release, uh, there is A Quiet Place Part 2, which was on the cusp of of getting um, into the theaters, and it has been rescheduled for the sequel uh, in September 4th, 2020. Uh, Let's see. Sadly, after years of sitting on the shelf and then finally getting a release date, The New Mutants. Remember that, Steve? A while ago. (laughs) It premiered, well, the premiere of The New Mutants has been postponed indefinitely. The film was due out on April 3rd. Disney is said to be looking at a new potential 2020 release date to be announced at a later date. But I remember the trailers for that. I remember we were talking about just like what our response was going to be to something like that with, with the whole mutant genre of comics. Disney is also delaying the release of their searchlight horror title Antlers, which, by the way, is really funny to me because hearing the name Disney and the genre horror is... <laughs> I never thought I would live to see the day that that was kind of coinciding with each other. But anyway, it's uh, it was slated to open on April 17th, but no new release date has been given yet. Now, this one is kind of the meat and potatoes in terms of rescheduling, which is Marvel. So they've postponed the next MCU film, Black Widow, um, which was previously scheduled for release on May 1st in the United States. The film now has a November 6th release date. Now, if you recall, Steve, 
That date was previously Marvel's Eternals spot. The Eternals now moves to February 12th of 2021, which was Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings old date. Now that film has been pushed to May 7th of 2021, which by the way was Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness old date. Doctor Strange 2 moves to November 5th of 2021, which you guessed it, Steve, was where Thor Love and Thunder used to sit. <laughs> the fourth Thor movie now moves to February 18th of 2022. Oh my goodness, surprise, surprise, was previously held for an untitled Marvel movie. Meanwhile, Black Panther 2 still has its May 8th, 2022 perch, and Captain Marvel 2 is now set for July 8th of 2022, which the studio had previously claimed for a to be determined title. I know you can sleep well at night now knowing, Steve, that basically everything has been shifted to one date over from where it was originally. <laughs> so save up your, your movie ticket money until the, end, the, the latter half of the year because then you're going to be spending like crazy. I know. that That's one of the things about the program is that typically we try to oscillate back and forth between playing games that we can talk about or watching movies that we can give reviews of just because our audience is kind of split 50-50 in terms of what they're interested in. And the first half of 2020, we are... Have, I think we've only reviewed maybe two movies or something uh, in its entirety. I, I was thinking about how we should probably consider maybe for certain future topics of the days review kind of like some of the older cult pop culture classics you know i don't know just just a thought be, be able to go in that way and, and then we're gonna have this deluge of like tons and tons of movies are just gonna be all dropping during the second half of 2020 and then especially in 2021 there's gonna be a ton as well there's gonna be this gluttony of <laughs> different films which if they're all good it'll make the two of us very happy won't it you would Paramount's The Spongebob Movie Sponge on the Run had previously shifted from its original May 22nd release date to July 31st, but now the studio has pushed the original uh, animated film back another week to August 7th of 2020. Disney postponed their Pixar... Okay, so this is what I was looking forward to as well. Uh, the, the new Pixar animated title, Soul, from its original June 19th, 2020 date is now November 20th. I'm telling you, there's all these different movies that are going to be delayed. Wonder Woman 1984 will shift from its original June 5th release date now to August 14th. Top Gun Maverick was to have opened on June 24th, but will now hit theaters December 23rd instead. The Ghostbusters sequel was supposed to hit in July of this summer, but has been pushed to almost a year from now to March 5th of 2021. And finally, the Jared Leto starring, uh, or excuse me, the Jared Leto starred Marvel Sony production is now set for March 19th of 2021, bumped from its previous July 31st, 2020 purge. And that was the, that other comic book movie adaption. Of, I can't remember if it's called like, it's, it's, it's like Morbius or something like that. Right. So anyway, a large list of films, and it's actually kind of refreshing for me to go through that list because I forgot just how many movies were slated to come out during the, the first half of this year. And it's, it's, I would say it's a nice variety of films. So I think that, that we're going to be having a lot of fun going back to the theater and being able to check all this stuff out on a pretty frequent basis.
Hold on to your hats, everybody. It's time for the topic of the day. Winston reporting. Justice reigns from above. Junkrat primed and ready. Lucio coming at you. Form up on the payload. Move it out. Nerf this. Come out and face me. I am ready to revive you. So our topic of the day is the impressions of Echo from Overwatch, the latest character to be added to the roster. And the character itself had been talked about for a while. I know that it had also been in some of the, the lore and even the, with the, the cinematic, I think it was with uh, Overwatch 2, they had a, a bit of an official debut of the character. And it's been, I don't know, for, for me personally, I've been very interested in seeing how this character looks and plays up close and personal. We finally were able to do so. And I got to ask, what are your impressions of being able to, to play as Echo Steve? Um, you know, I actually, you know what? I think I need to correct you there because I think she was debuted with the McCree Ash um, origin oh, story. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I, th I think you are correct. I am so sorry. I'm glad. See, that's why That's why I have you here, Steve. That's <laughs> yeah. why I have you here. But yeah, you're absolutely right. We, we did get a viewing of her there and, and people started to, to ask, who's who's that character? I, the thing with Echo is that I, I'm not really sure what place or gap they're trying to fill with her because the, like her abilities don't really, I mean, they're nothing really that new. It, it's kind of, they're, they're kind of taking abilities from different characters and then giving it to her. Um, like they they take like the focus beam, for example, well, Mori, Moira already has uh, some, you know, a focus kind of beam in a way. It's different, but it, it's still kind of a beam. And then they, and then Zariah also has her main weapon as that, that focus beam. And then you have, this uh, triple shot, which is kind of similar to Doomfist, this triple shot. Um, and you have this um, where she can, has this well, minor kind of flight, which is, is similar to Mercy's flight. If she, if she uh, flies over to an ally to heal them, you know, no matter if the ally is in the air or they're on the ground, uh, I guess the difference being that um, Echo can definitely... Uh, fly up on into the air on her own. She doesn't need anybody else, but still, like you know, the, the it's it's the similarities are, are definitely are definitely there. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it. Uh, I mean, the sticky bombs are definitely new, and that's that's a new uh, type of different weapon, which is cool. Um, her her ability to um, for her ultimate ability to to replace herself with another character and even do like a. a we were talking about Final Fantasy. I want to say Limit Breaker. <laughs> nice. Um, but her, but her, but even that character that she's replicating, they can do that ultimate move with her ultimate move, and that that's that's pretty cool and, and different. But I mean, there's so many characters to choose from already. I, I just didn't really. I, I felt more that they should 
that, that Blizzard maybe should spend their time developing some of the other characters versus this character, or maybe pushing this character over into the new system since we're really, really close. Uh, I just didn't really feel like with this roster of characters that we needed another new character to share abilities similar with other characters. That being said, I mean, I think she's fine, but I, I think that she's also not coming across very popular because in the beginning when she first dropped, and you couldn't, you I mean, it was, it was the, it was the same thing with all new characters. I mean, anybody who, who jumps into a, a match, they'll, they're, they're first to select that character because they want to play them. And, and then that was the case for a, a couple of days. And then when, when you and I started playing, I mean, there was a time there where you're like, okay, you got to choose her. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to wait a couple seconds to see if anybody else chooses her and no one did. And so then I thought, well, like, yeah, I, I, I need to choose her because we're going to talk about it and I want a little more experience playing her, but. It wasn't that, it, it didn't seem like she was, I mean, when Doomfist hit, you couldn't play Doomfist for like two weeks. I mean, good luck trying to choose him, <laughs> you know? And then with Echo, it seems like you're, she's just kind of coming across, maybe not undesirable, just not as um, like a wholehearted welcome among the fan base as somebody they're, they've been waiting to play, somebody with abilities that has been lacking in the game. Um, anyway, I could be totally wrong, but... Um, Definitely I something have, I picked I a, up on last night. I do have a comment on that. I think it may have to do with kind of the new structure that they have deployed in Overwatch because you and I haven't played Overwatch in a while. And now they have this thing where you you kind of choose ahead of time, like wh which class do you want to play as? Do you want to be assault? Do you want to be support? Do you want to be a tank? Um, and I think... If I had to wager a guess, they set it up. They set up the servers so that based on what you choose, they may have a roster where they're they're trying to have more control and balance of the team itself. So that way, like you, you don't have like all assault units be selected for the team. Like you have to have one tank. You have to have at least one or two supports. You have to have one or two assaults. Um, and I think that that might be why it was a bit easier to choose because if you recall for instance like like we were kind of messing with it and initially i chose like all three classes because you, you can choose all three if you want and it kind of gives you a variety to choose from but then you know when, when the when the server finds a game for you like there's an opening somewhere it'll then automatically stick you in like i don't have the choice to be able to choose whichever character i want to play as once we get into the game itself and so we ended up whittling it down to only choosing the assault class. And if you recall, the wait time actually got extended considerably when we did just that. And I have a feeling it's because a lot of other gamers were also just choosing assault because they too wanted to be able to test out Echo. And we were finally able to get in there. And the other thing too is like if, for instance, if it is legit, that you can only have, say, two players play in the, the assault class, well, then you and I will have filled up those two slots, and then either you or myself can choose as Echo. That's my guess. I think that's what it is. Mm, I, would, I would venture to, to disagree, only because uh, I, think, I think I played Overwatch uh, a little bit more than, than maybe you have in between um, Halloween <laughs> and now. <laughs> and... Did they have that same game mode set up back they then? Had the, yeah, they had the same game mode then. But 
Also, too, if you remember, there were, I mean, I, we were, I, we talked on the show a couple different times earlier on about how matchmaking seems to just be kind of broken, um, intermittently broken, because there's sometimes where you go, okay, I'm going to start a game. I don't care where I am or who I am or where I end up. I just want to play. And then we're in like the eighth minute in and we're still waiting and matchmaking. Like, okay, are we going to play tonight or what's going on? And sometimes that would even go to, I mean, I've, I've, there were some nights where I waited 20 minutes just to get into matchmaking. And I think, what am I doing with my life right now? I'm getting tired yeah. of playing Overwatch. I guess I'll go play against the computer in AI mode or I'll just play something else. And, um, and so, and, and so some nights it, it works great and some nights it doesn't work great. And so last night, uh, you know, sometimes we, we waited four minutes or five minutes and I think we we're at eight at some point. And, um, and it just seemed like it was business as usual for me because every time I seem to play it, it, matchmaking takes forever. Yeah, we'll have to look into that because I, I am curious about how that whole new structure works. And I didn't really see at the, at the time we were, we were checking it out, I didn't see an option to be able to get out of that. Like it wasn't as if I could go in and have the full roster of characters that I could choose from at any given point in time. I was always just having to select, okay, which class do you want to play as? Okay, now we're going to find you a, a game that has slots available that you can go into. And oh, by the way, here, here are your you know class of characters you can choose from, that sort of thing. And I, I don't know how I feel about that. I think on the one hand, it's cool because it will always guarantee me the ability to play as that class. But at the same time, there are so many characters. I mean, I think if, if I counted correctly, I think there were like 31 characters to choose from now. And I think that there's something to be said for that because you, I think there's probably between what, like five or six, maybe even more in some classes to choose from. So like, you know, you only have what, six players on, on each team, right? Five or, or is it five? No, it's six. six. So you could literally have like, if you wanted everyone to be in an assault class, you could, you may not get the character you want to play as, but there, there is room to be able to, to play as assault. So yeah, I'm, I, I want to explore that a bit further in the future and just, and get a better idea of what, what it is that they're, they're doing now in terms of, um, my play experience with Echo, I really like the character design. I think that that the art direction on the character is really cool. I think it fits like perfectly with the the world of Overwatch. One of my favorite aspects to it is actually the way that the face gets created and projected onto the mask. I've been looking at that for a while, and what, what's really neat is that echoes it has kind of a projector in the back of its head that then it does this, this cool holographic image projection of the face that appears onto like this kind of um, nondescript mask. And then there's kind of the, the back part of the helmet also gets kind of created. I was exploring some of the, the different animated textures that they put on there. I think that's a pretty slick idea. And I also like too the how there is a very measured grace about about the movements, like the way she twists and turns and that sort of thing. It is, I think, distinctly different from someone like Mercy, where Mercy Mercy is also a very graceful character in a lot of different ways. This one, there is kind of more of a calculated grace, if you will, and I think that that's really cool. I like the idea too of of as you're in first person. You only see one hand, 
you know, typically you'll see like a huge gun or maybe you'll see both hands or whatever. But I, I really liked how there was more of this. It's almost like a nanotech approach to everything. The, the grenades like you talked about, I thought were a welcome addition. It was very visually different. I thought it was, it was actually pretty striking to see and playing as the character. I agree. I think that there are kind of a smorgasbord of different gameplay attributes that they have pulled from, from some of the other characters. But at the same time, I did find myself um, liking to be echo. I, I, I enjoyed playing um, and assaulting. I, I do think that the, the beam itself needs to be tweaked because it's supposed to be this focused beam. And my, my expectation as a gamer is that if I'm able to hit somebody with that, it should probably cripple them pretty quickly. And that's just not the case when it comes to echo. It's like, you'll do it. And if you were to keep it on an opponent, you can probably whittle their, their health down to about 50%. Well, if the way it works is, yeah, you, you have to keep it on them. Um, I mean, if you look into like the hero gallery and then you look at the, her abilities, uh, there's a video you can see where uh, the beam is focused on, and, and focus is the keyword. I mean, you could set the beam on somebody, but it has to be focused on them for a while, and then the beam gets more intense. Um, and then it, it, it really starts to whittle uh, power down quickly. Um, but focus is the keyword. You can't, like, you know, put it on one person for a second and then another person for a second and then go yeah. back to the original person because then it's not going to do much. And, and it's similar to um, Moira, like you said, but it's also similar to Symmetra. She had, um, you know, and they have really messed with that. I, I was pretty bummed when they were, were tweaking Symmetra a bit, but she used to have the ability to, where she had kind of a focus beam and it was almost kind of like a homing beam. Like if you were kind of in the close proximity to an opponent, it would just stick onto that character and that made her pretty lethal in close quarter combat. But then they switched out to be similar to that of Moira or even um, Echo, where it's just a straight beam. I think one of the things I read about with Echo's beam is it becomes more deadly when a person's health is below 50%. And so if you, like, say, for instance, the, the opponent's at 45 or 40% health, you use the beam, it'll actually um, almost guaranteed to, to take them out. It's almost like a finishing move. And so... It was, it was different. I think in terms of the, like, like her flight, I was playing around with that. I think it's nice to be able to gain situational awareness, but at the same time, she's not a, a particularly quick character when she's in the sky. And I, and I think that is a commonality when you look at Mercy, when you look at Farah, and when you look at Echo is they have this kind of floaty, flighty kind of feel. I think Farah is the one exception where she does have the dash ability where she can just, you know, instantaneously launch up into the sky or if she's in the sky, she can use it there and then she'll do like one dart, which allows, you know, for evasive action. But I would have liked to have seen something that was a bit different when it came to Echo in terms of maybe she would have more agility in the sky. Cause she just strikes me as a character that would have more of that airborne ability. And I would, and I for one would like to see kind of more of the airborne characters um, take on a bit more of a presence in the battles, because then you have more of that verticality in mind. And I always love it as when I'm playing as Farah to be able to, to come across another Farah and then have kind of more of like a, uh, airborne assault kind of thing. I think it's thrilling in its own way. I think that that view may be shared, but I think they they restricted her 
mainly due to game balancing because when fair is in the air, I it, like if, if fair is in the air and you're Reinhardt, well, you can't do a single thing. And eventually, um, if you just keep blocking her rockets, your shield's going to be, uh, you know, whittled down and you're going to have to get out of there at some point. But you can't do anything to hurt her, really. I mean, you have one ability that you can, uh, you have that, that fire wave that you can launch up there uh, and hopefully get her. But other than that, you have to wait for that to cool down and, 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 and for about 10 seconds or whatever it is. And then before you can do it again, rather her, it's rapid fire, rapid fire, rapid fire. And other characters, it's, it's hard to hit Farah even in the sky because she's kind of far away. Um, and so I think that's, that's why they're slowing down the, the sky characters, because if they're zooming all over the place in the sky and they're able to pick people off from a bird's eye view, then that wouldn't be very fun. Yeah, maybe they could put like a limit on it where you could do some sort of quick evasion th- up to three times and then you'd have to have a cooldown. It would literally like be like Tracer in the sky where like you have those three times that you can click it where you can evade and then that's it. And then you have to wait like 10 seconds or something. I don't know. One of the other things too I think is worth mentioning is I really like her ultimate ability. I don't know if you had a chance to really play with that, Steve, but I really had a fun time taking on the the shape of one of the opponents. And to give you an idea, like for instance, we were playing and, and uh, one of the opponents was Roadhog. And when my health was getting low, I had my ultimate ab- um, ability available and I just turned into Roadhog. Suddenly my hit points went to Roadhog's hit points. I had all the abilities. And oh, by the way, I think if, if I saw it correctly, I think that... Um, it, my, my, the, the ultimate that the opponent had also got transferred to Echo. So like Roadhog, like, like there was that one time I got play of the game as Echo. And if you noticed ro- the opponent of Roadhog, um, unleashed his ultimate. And then I ended up with, um, doing the ultimate of Roadhog as well. That's after I had already done my ultimate of turning into Roadhog. So I think that that is a really neat addition in terms of, of what, the staple of ultimates are in this game. And I think it can in fact turn the tide in certain capacities. Like if you need a tank style character, then there you go. If you, let's say you need another mercy character uh, to heal your, your team and help them make a push. You know, I think that that is a, a really nice addition to that. Did you have a chance to check that out at yeah, all? Yeah, I did that. It, it's only with, or at least what I experienced was it was only with characters on the opposite team. It wasn't your characters because there were, I had that idea too. And we had a mercy on, on um, my team once when I was playing her and I tried to be here too. Cause I thought, man, we're getting our butts handed to us. We need to get some more <laughs> heals. And uh, I, and so it wouldn't let me do uh, the mercy on our side. So in the, in it, targeted only the the people on the opposite side that I could be um, I could take the character of and then I thought well I'm not very good as Widowmaker so I can't choose Widowmaker uh, I don't play very much as Roadhog so I don't really want to choose Ro- I mean I wanted to choose somebody that I that I had experience with not just some random character where I have to go okay what what are these abilities again you know what what out of the 30 characters available can I you know can I, <laughs> at the one random <laughs> that I'm playing that, that I'm picking up or watching amongst all the other games that we're playing um and so that was a bit of a delay for me for this character because I I I wanted I didn't wanted to use my ultimate and be useful not just be another character just to be another character and maybe hopefully cause some confusion on the other side Although I will say that when you choose that character, 
their ultimate's not readily available to you. Um, right, I, I right. chose the character and then I had to, I was at like 58% and I thought, well, okay, well, I'm just going to continue firing. I guess I could fire as Echo still. Um, but I chose, I was able to choose uh, Torbjorn. And so I love Torbjorn and I'm like, okay, great, here we go. And I set up a turret and I was, you know, firing away and um, I did get to uh, do some havoc that way. But I mean, the, it, it, it could be a benefit and then it could just be useless at the same time because if you're, if, if you are in the situation where I'm in and the character you choose doesn't have their ultimate available or is somebody you're not a main with or you rarely ever play, then it, it, it kind of leaves something to be desired there. Um, you're kind of banking on the other team to choose somebody that you want to play <laughs> and that you know how to play effectively uh, to help your team out. Otherwise, yeah. you know, you're, you're probably not going to choose. You, may, you might still choose Echo, but then you might change your character uh, later on to choose somebody else. Yeah, it is interesting. I, I do like the idea that, you know, again, I'm assuming this because I haven't had too much of a, a hands-on impression of this, but being able to copy over where they are at with their ultimate, I think is really cool too. I, I, I thought that was fantastic and how, in terms of, of the excitement factor, because you may... Um, I don't know, like, like, like I could see a strategy happening where you see, say one of the characters about to do their ultimate. So then because your ultimate's ready, you go ahead and, and replicate yourself to them. And then, you know, you can essentially reflect what type of ultimate is being cast on your team back onto their team. And I don't know, there's a whole new kind of, uh, approach to strategy with that, that I think is really neat. Other times though, you, you know, as, as echo, you may not know where their, their, their ultimate is, is at in terms of the, the buildup. So you may decide to take them on. And when you take on their appearance, <laughs> their ultimate may only be like 13% or something. So I think that that's pretty cool, but just in terms of, of the thrilling nature of being that character and, and um, having the ability to do that, but then not knowing kind of what the, the current stats are of, of that player. Uh, did you have any closing remarks about Echo as a character or Overwatch? Well, more so Overwatch. I still want to see, I remember when we, we talked about um, Overwatch a few um episodes back well actually a lot more than a few probably about a year ago um <laughs> we, we've we've talked a lot about overwatch back in the day didn't we but i yeah but i i want to see i want to see more melee characters and i want to see a different kind of support character um and i think they've had a lot of they're they're, they're mixing support with assault i think um but I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I would like to see maybe a support mixed with a tank, possibly, or um, uh, a, a character that's just as quick as as maybe as Genji, or but he's like the he's like the anti Genji, like he's the perfect character to take Genji out. I don't know. Um, it seems like they're really focused on assault people. I mean, if you if you count how many assault people there are uh, versus tanks or or support, the assault is like their main driver and that maybe that's what the that's what the community wants and personally i'm more of a support person than than um than an assault i i think that maybe i just don't have the reflex ability to, to, to choose my targets too quickly but uh i can i can hold back and i can do a great job of, of supporting the team um but and if i go out there one man army style then i'm alive for about five seconds and then <laughs> 
so, I don't know. And maybe that's just me. But if you if you we we you click on tank and you click on support, like that's the only one. That's the only two classes you want to focus on in Overwatch. Then you only have like five, maybe maybe a little bit more characters for each. Versus if you choose assault, you have a ton to choose from. So. Um, to me, that seems a bit unbalanced because, I mean, I'll go to my tanks and I have, okay, you know, I'm, I'm used to playing Winston, I'm used to playing uh, Reinhardt, but I'm not a very good diva, And I'm not, um, I haven't toyed too much with the, the anti-gravity dude uh, too much, so I'm not, I can't say I'm good with him. Um, Orissa, I'm so-so with, but that's so, I have two characters on that side that I'm okay with. So on the support side, I'm pretty good with Zanata. I'm I'm definitely good with Mercy. I'm great with Torbjorn. Um, I'm not so great with uh, Brigitte. But anyway, I have more. I have more characters on that side than on the tank side. But with Assault, I know and that's another thing too. Is with uh, with Echo, she's not a, like an in-your-face kind of character. Yet she's like a mid to far dis- distance Assault she character. Is. She's not yeah, a frontliner she, at all. She's kind of um, spongy like that too. She can't take a lot of damage. Yeah, and so I found myself, you know, hanging hanging back, but then with her focus beam, it's more of a short range focus beam, so then you had to get a little bit closer. Um so she's kind of like a midway, mid to far way assault character that can jump in the air to to escape not getting hit. Um so, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's what they're trying to do. Maybe they're trying to get, you know, different levels of of Pete, I mean, because Reaper is definitely somebody who's in your face, and Genji's in your face, and the, both of them are, are, are assault characters. Doomfist is in your face, so they're very, they're definitely close range folks, and not necessarily uh, far range. But I don't know, maybe that's what they're trying to do with her. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, I think she, um, she's a welcome addition to the roster. Myself, I can see myself playing as her. I think that that there are d- different strategies that I think could really turn the tide of the battle. And um, in terms of, of different combos with the teams, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I don't know yet whether or not I like the flight ability. I think it is nice in terms of being able to get to different spots or maybe trying to get out of a hairy situation or something. I do think it's interesting how she is, even though she's an assault class, you really can't be toe to toe with a lot of other characters because she will get owned very quickly. So, so you're right. She she seems to be more of like a mid range, almost like a, like a antagonizing type of character, if you will. Where you know, um, like like she's really good for bottlenecks. You know, when it comes to if you have a lot of characters who are coming through a tight corridor space, her little sticky plasma grenade thing is wonderful as well as her focused beam, as well as even like her standard um, hits and that sort of thing. So I, I can see a, a definite use for her in the different types of, of game modes that the game offers itself. I'm actually very curious to see when this whole Overwatch 2 thing happens, because I don't know if it's supposed to, if, like if they're going to do some sort of massive update to the pre-existing game or if they're going to sell it as a separate game entirely with a new graphics engine or what. But I am curious to know how that plays into it because the maps are still a lot of fun to play, but they are getting dated. They, it's the same type of maps and, and, they, and they have flourished and expanded 
the number of maps. I'm not complaining about the number of them at all, but I am, I think I'm ready to see a, a sequel, I guess, if, um, and, and just the, the cinematic that came out, I think last year was a, a great glimpse into what could be as a continuation of this world. And so it, I don't know, I'm curious to see what happens, but I am grateful that we do have a new character. I think it's really cool that, that the roster is now 31 and, uh, you know, I'll just have to continue playing as Echo here and there and, and see how I feel about her long term. One thing I will say is that uh, her reload speed is definitely a lot faster than most. Yes. Yeah. She's kind of on par with tr- with Tracer like that. Yeah. Well, that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. And last but not least, while you're in quarantine, you can search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time because you know we'll be there too since we can't go anywhere else. We'll see you next week.